working freedom from work. And our freedom is definitely very, very important to us, uh, especially today, right? Freedom is important, and it transcends all uh, facades of life. Um, in recent times, talking about wars, uh, a nation's sovereignty right, has been a hot topic. Uh, it means sovereignty means freedom for a nation to make their own decisions, not under the rule of another, right? And so today, our passage in Galatians, book of Galatians, also talk about this thing called freedom, right? But from a very uh, spiritual perspective. So today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a teaching. Are you all okay with that? Yeah? All right, so we're going to somehow always get the teaching passages. The previous time, I talked to you all about faith and hope. And this time around, I'm going to talk to you all about freedom, Okay, freedom from what? We look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 and it begins, our reading begins like this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So there are two very key ideas here. The first idea is slavery and the second idea is freedom. So I will talk about slavery first. What is slavery about? We need to reverse a little bit and we, let's, and we find uh, an and a little of an explanation in Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. And I read to you, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. So basically, what the writer of Galatians, his name is Paul, Apostle Paul, what he's talking about, what he means by slavery, it means to be under the rule of rituals, traditions, and in the Jewish sense, the Jewish teachings. In other words, what we commonly known as, know as the law, right? Uh, the Jewish law and all the Jewish traditions. And you will understand part of Jewish tradition is also the tradition of circumcision. And later on, we'll talk a little bit about that. So that is what the slavery means when he says, when he writes that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, freedom from, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. So that is slavery. What about freedom? What, is, what does freedom mean from all that? As simple as that. Freedom from all that slavery means. Okay? So in order to further understand what slavery and freedom was, what he's talking about here, we must understand the context, I mean the circumstances in, in order to understand what is being taught here in the book of Galatians. Now, in case you didn't know, right, the main purpose of the book of the letter to the Galatians, Apostle Paul was writing a letter to the Galatians and it became the book of Galatians, right? It was to address this thing called a false teaching. There was a false teaching circulating around, a false teaching of what? the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. There was a false teaching going around, and we, we, we get an ex, uh, a hint of this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, and Paul immediately addresses it. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of you who trouble, there are some who trouble you and want to distort in another version, a word is used, it's called perversion. It's a very strong word. If you read the entire book of Galatians, there are many strong words that Apostle Paul is using here because he is passionate, he's, he has a burning passion for this topic. He's addressing the distortion of the gospel of Christ. A distortion of the gospel of Christ. Now, to summarize the entire thing for you, because we're in interest of time, 
Basically, what was the distortion was that there was a teaching that was circulating around and people were teaching Christians that specific works, specific actions, specific rituals and traditions and following of the law is needed, listen, in order to, uh, it needs to be accomplished in order for Gentiles to be considered, okay, a worthy follower of Christ. Basically, they are saying you need to do a list of things in order for you to be counted a legitimate Christian. So people were being misled to believe that they needed to adhere to certain things, certain teachings, certain laws, in order to be considered a Christian, to, be, to have a right standing before God. That was the teaching that was circulating around. And Apostle Paul calls this the distortion of the gospel. One such example can be found in Galatians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. And this is with regards to one of uh, Apostle Paul's uh, mentees, all right, disciple, and his name was Titus. Now, Titus, right, was a man of Greek descent. So, in, we read from Galatians 2, verse 3, it says, But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. Just now I mentioned it was a Jewish ritual, right? Though he was a Greek, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, so they were spying, okay? who slipped in to spy out our freedom that, freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Verse 5. You go next slide. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. The truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. People were trying to discredit the mentee, Titus, because he was not circumcised, because he was not of Jewish descent, he was considered outside of the Jewish heritage. So if he didn't follow the Jewish teachings, rituals, laws, and traditions, he is a bit like a second-class, not very real Christian. That was what was going around in that time. So then you might ask, so that if you say all this, what is the correct gospel? Very simple. Apostle Paul doesn't leave any stone unturned. He goes on in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, and this is what he says. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. This is the true gospel. I just want to elaborate a little bit more and we go deeper. We can find an elaboration in the book of Romans, also written by the same author. We find this in Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 20. And there's further elaboration. Here it goes. It says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human, will, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin comes knowledge of sin. So regardless of our heritage, regardless of where we come from, the law is powerful because it brings consciousness of sin, makes us understand that we have sinned. And the truth is this, no one, no one ever, not you and not me, not anyone sitting in this place or online, can be considered righteous before God through accomplishing rituals and traditions or even the Ten Commandments for, for that matter, Right? No one can be considered righteous before God just by accomplishing this. You know, a lot of times, uh, I, I like to do the whole um, uh, Ten Commandments thing, especially in the youth ministry. I'll go through the first Ten uh, Commandments, basically, 
I'll get everyone to stand up and then after that we'll say, you know, if you have broken that commandment, you will sit down. We never ever got past number three. And number three says, thou shalt not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Haha, <laughs> everyone sits down after number three. We never need to even go to thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal. Right? We can't even get past number three. No, none of us can stand before God under the law. None of us. Right? However, some false teachers were going around and they were suggesting otherwise. And for that matter, Apostle Paul says in the next slide, who has bewitched you? Scary words, right? He's basically saying that there's something wrong. going, and Basically scolding people, okay? Apostle Paul was very aggressive about it. He addresses this matter with urgency, with a burning passion, because we are set free in Christ, so don't be bewitched and turn back into slavery, Turn back into the mindset that you need to accomplish certain things in order to have right standing before God. That is a thing of the past. That's what he's saying. So in application, I was thinking and reflecting. This is also a resounding message and is applicable today for us believers in the church. Have we ever imposed works and traditions on fellow Christians or discredited a fellow believer simply based on works rituals, traditions, or heritage? Is there a set of rules and actions that qualifies or disqualifies someone as an authentic believer of Jesus? That is just a reflection question for Christians to think about. Because in Christ, we have freedom from the need to fulfill the law for our right standing before God. And that is the big word is actually justification. And even goes on to say, you have no part in Christ. Scary, right? If you think keeping the law justifies you, Galatians chapter four, uh, 5, verse 4 says this, you are severed from Christ. You're cut away from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. That's how strong it is. If any moment you think that being able to be a very obedient and good Christian makes you qualified before God, then that's basically the wrong gospel. The only gospel is this, that you are made righteous before God because Jesus took your sins and died on your cross and by His blood, you are set free from sin. Amen. That's the gospel we believe. The gospel is not here to whip you, whip you, whip you and tell you that you need to fulfill all this, then you can feel holy and worthy and come before God. And sometimes there's a wrong teaching in, in church because then people feel that they cannot come to church because they have sinned during the week. They've done something wrong. And then they cannot lift their hands in worship because they say, I'm unworthy. But is it true? By Jesus' blood, you are worthy. And that's where grace comes. Okay, we can't, we can't go off script on that. Okay, but anyway, so, so that is the, the, the gospel. I hope you are learning, yeah? You're following me? All right? So next, freedom from what? So then I know the next question will be, okay, so you say, yeah, without the law, right? Does this mean that Christians are free? Hyper-grace, right? Christians can go around and do whatever they want. Is that true, freedom? It may be. The world view of freedom is this. Basically, what the world thinks is that to be free, to have freedom, I'm, I'm free to choose what I want, when I want. It doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, whether it's morally correct or not. I can choose what I want. That's freedom. That's the world view of freedom. But what Apostle Paul is writing and suggesting to the church here in Galatians, not even suggesting, he's saying, okay, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, he's saying that true freedom is not giving in to the flesh. And in other words, it's not giving in to our sinful nature. In the NIV version says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Do not use your freedom to satisfy your flesh. 
What is Christian freedom? What does Christian freedom look like? Christian freedom is about being free in Christ to be all that we are meant to be, all that God has intended for us to be, what God has made us to be in the very first place. And we are actually free so that we can love. And this is what Paul means in the second half of verse 13. And this is what he says, right? Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge your sinful nature. However, but through love, serve one another. That is the, the spiritual and biblical way of which we approach freedom. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. First John chapter 4, verse 19 is not there. It tells us we love because He first loved us. Interestingly, that was my wedding verse. In other words, Christ's love sets us free to love. We love in our freedom. And to love God and to love our neighbor. It's very interesting. I like this because, because while we are free to no longer have to keep the law of our, for our right standing before God, we actually now have the privilege to keep the law of love. Verse 14 points that out and it says, The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I like how scripture always goes one big round. He says you're not under the law, but when you follow, use your freedom and you love, and you use it to exercise love, essentially what's happening is that you are fulfilling all the law. You'll see that. And interestingly, now you come full circle, actually it's like zero-sum game, left hand, right hand, right? So, so you see, but, but the thing is that the essence of our loving is not so that we can be con- perceived and considered righteous before God. You are actually acting out of your calling because you are set free. Amen. And that liberates us. There is, is not slavery, it is freedom. And I can go on about it because I, I, I really love this topic, but, uh, but no time. Okay. okay, okay, next. So how can we have so then the next question you might ask, okay, fine, freedom, so, but, but I still struggle, you know, I'm still in this sinful body. Yeah, everybody is. So how can we have the power to overcome the desires of the flesh? The simple answer is found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and it says, to be led by the Spirit. In, uh, in another version, it says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, and it goes on in verse 17 to say, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. Say against. Against, right? And the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. uh, And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed. Say opposed. Opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So essentially what he's saying is that the flesh which we is defined as our sinful nature, our sinful thoughts, and our sinful being and the spirit are opposite. They are two ends of one spectrum. Okay? So let me ask you this question. If I'm walking this direction, this your right, I'm walking in this direction, what is the best way to not walk in this direction? No answer. Okay, I tell you the answer. It's to turn around. As simple as that logic. Right? If I'm walking this direction, in order to not walk in this direction, I turn around and walk. But because we are a globe, maybe if I keep walking this way, I will probably end up in the same direction. But okay, never mind. You get my point. Right? So we are walking in there are two opposite ends of the spectrum. If I'm walking in the direction of the flesh, in order to not walk in the direction of the flesh, what do I do? I turn around and I walk in the direction of the spirit. That's how... We overcome. And, and basically, this is what I'm saying. So walk by the Spirit. If you've got problem with, with, with sin and, and gratifying your fleshly desires, 
All you need to do, and this is what repentance actually means, it means turning away, change of mind. You turn to the other direction and walk in the Spirit. Lah. Right? If you struggle with sin, focus on things of the Spirit. And now then you will ask me, so what does that mean? Okay, Apostle Paul, I told you, he don't leave any stone unturned. You just go down, next verse. 19, sorry, we skip one verse because later I'll come back. Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh, this direction, the fleshly direction, are evident. It looks like this. They, he, he actually gave a full list. Like, sexual immorality, impurity, rapper, please, he's here today. Impurity, sensuality, I don't know. All that list of things are things of the flesh. All right, and I just wanted to point out things. Some of them you're like, oh, what are those, right? But there are some of them that we actually can relate to. Things like jealousy. Right? We've felt jealousy before. We have had fits of anger, at least I have. Rivalries, competition, division, dissension. These are things that we kind of face every day and none of us are spared from it. Of course, there's some... Okay, we can't go so much, but basically, these are things of the flesh and this is what it looks like. And it says like, and things like this, so there's, the list is not exhaustive. That's what the flesh looks like. Okay? But how does the other direction look like? Then we go down to the fruit of the Spirit. It looks like this, it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yesterday, I messed up the slide. Today, I changed it for you, all right? You don't want to know what happened. <laughs> so the things of the fruit of the Spirit had some elements of fruit of the flesh, huh? messed up. I changed, huh? okay? So gentleness, self-control, against such thing, there is no law. That's what the other direction looks like. So if you struggle with being led, you know, you're gratifying the flesh, all you need to do is follow, turn, and Focus on things that edify, you know, that bring out the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the opposite looks like. And an additional benefit in doing that is, next slide, is found in verse 18. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, If you walk by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Wow! Why? Let's find the answer in Romans chapter 8, verse 3 to 4. If you're struggling, if you want to bring your faith to the next level, just a little bit of advertisement, go and read the book of Romans, study it, find a Bible group, because I personally feel most of the answers can be found in the book of Romans. Okay? So anyway, Romans chapter 8, verse 3 to 4, it says this, For what God has done, God, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The logic is this. For those that believe in Christ, this is your benefit in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled it for you in faith. Jesus has given this to you. And that is why when you, when you have that righteous requirement of the law fulfilled in you, through Christ, I must always say through Christ, you are not under law anymore. Amen. Isn't that freedom? Freedom from the law. You don't need to worry whether you have right standing before God in Christ. And uh, my final point is then how then is the perfect example of freedom. We always take the example from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christians, we take the example from Christ. Why? Do you know that Jesus was actually the only human that was truly free? Do you know that? He was the only human truly free from sin. He was truly free from the world. He was free from the devil. He was God's Son. Amen. Our Lord and Jesus was the only human truly free, but yet Jesus chose 
to become a slave, born under the law to redeem all of us under the law. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. For what purpose? Verse 5, To redeem those who were under the law. That is you and me. To redeem us. Jesus gave up his authority to become sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, that he could purchase freedom for us. For he, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Jesus was free. But he used his freedom to love us. He used his freedom to obey the Father's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he got seized and, and, got, and crucified on the cross, Jesus was praying to his father and he said, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus made the decision to submit to the father's will. Jesus' actions were guided by his love for you and me. Every step he took towards the cross, his mind was thinking about you and I. He had the resolve the determination because he was driven by a heart of love and compassion for the lost world. Not Jurassic Park. Huh? You see, two weeks ago, we learned about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus was subject to the Father's will. If you understand the teaching, right, by Pastor Evangeline. But they were united in love. Jesus, the Son, knew the Father's heart, true and true, a hundred percent. And Jesus submitted. But in submission, there is choice. He chose to submit to the Father's will in order because he knew that the Father's heart was thoroughly for reconciliation between God and sinful humans such as me and you. He wanted to break the tyranny of sin over all our lives and he wanted to break us out of slavery. You see, you must understand that the Father loves his Son very, very much. Many of us are parents here and we love our children. Our, your, you love your children very much. I got no children here. Eh? All right? Would you give up your child for someone else? How difficult is that? But God, you must understand that God loves Jesus so very much. But the Father gave it up for you and me, His precious beloved Son, so that He might have that chance to redeem us from the slavery of sin. Even if that chance was a 0.0000001%, the Father's heart would still do it. Was it a gamble? I don't know. Who knows, right? But I, was, I would say that God was willing to put everything on the line just for that chance to be with you. Each one of us is worth much more than this entire world combined together. We, in this world, we understand we measure the value of something based on what was used to pay for it, right? If a house is worth a million dollars, you pay a million dollars, the house is worth a million dollars, right? So the Son of God was the price that was paid for you and me. That is your worth, you know? Believers and Christians, amen? You are worth more than what this world could offer. Never ever think for a moment that you are worthless. For anyone struggling with self-worth and insecurity, in Christ, the value, your value is worth the life of the Son of God. And that transforms life. Okay, now that is freedom. It demonstrated itself through love. Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy set before Him, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. What a perfect example of how freedom could be used. Did you know that Jesus was the only human born to die? 
He came with a mission. He came with a mission to go to the cross for you and me so that we might have that chance to reconcile with the Father. Jesus was the only sacrifice that willingly went to the altar. Have you tried killing an animal, a lamb or a sheep or whatever? They would run. Jesus was the only one that willingly lied down that the nails might be pierced into his arms, into his hand and his feet. So I end with this. Jesus chose you. Jesus did. You are called to freedom from, the, from sin. Okay? And I have three questions to ask you. Number one is that, you know, for those struggling, will you stand firm in Christ for your right standing before God? And question two is, will you receive that freedom? Start to process it. I know this might be new to some of us because we have gone through certain things in life and, and we can't seem to understand. It's all right to not understand this concept of freedom and, and I don't have to, in a way, do anything in order to consider righteous before God. So it's okay. Take time, process it. The Word of God will speak to you in, your, in His time. All right? The Holy Spirit will move in you. If you need sub- subtitles, you can. Uh, you can just go to YouTube on the subtitles. I'm just joking. Okay, but, but lastly, for those that have been Christians for a very long time, what will you do with that freedom? What will you do with that freedom? Will you use that freedom to love, to love, to walk in the Spirit? Will you use that freedom to point people to the risen Messiah? Amen. Every head bow, every eye closed. Let's just have a quick time of reflection. I know that, you know, sometimes we feel, and it's very natural to feel that, you know, we need to be good in order to be considered good. And that's where the true gospel of Jesus Christ comes through, becomes so powerful. Basically, it says, in me, because I have paid the price for your sin. Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Basically, you are not put down anymore based on what you've done, who you are, your background, all the brokenness that has happened, you know, that you are, you feel that you are. And the gospel says that, you know, you follow Jesus, receive me into your life, I paid the price for your shame, I took the shame, I took your sin, I took your brokenness, everything that the world has thrown at you, I have took it upon my body on the cross, that by my perfect blood shed on that cross, you receive it in faith, Jesus says, as I am, I've given that to you. And before the Father, you are not a slave. You are not merely, merely a servant. You are a son. Galatians chapter 4 says that. You are a child. The difference between a child and a servant is that no matter how hard the servant tries to work, his way up the ranks. He will never, ever beat the son. He will never overshadow the child because everything that the father has would go to the child. You must start to think, in Christ, you are now a child in God's eyes. When Jesus cried, it is finished. The veil that separated the Holy of Holies where God's presence resides was torn from top to bottom. It was as if God's own hand tore that veil. 
that you and I would have free access into His presence to pray, to cry, to present requests, to talk to Him, to whine, to complain, to be angry, to find that real... It's about relationship now. It's not about... It's not about working our way to earn the Father's love. It is about embracing and encountering that love for ourselves. I believe that the Word of God is speaking to many right now. And if that is you, I just want to pray for you. You know, if you want to respond, you can just turn your hand, your palms face up as as a sign of body language of receiving I know that the Holy Spirit's here and is, is moving and setting us free from chains that have tied us down. Some of us have felt bogged down even as a Christian for a very long time. And sometimes we wonder, am I good enough? Sometimes we wonder, is God close to me? Is it because I've did certain things? God's angry at me. The Holy Spirit says, no, Christ bore it all on the cross you are free you are free Father I pray for every person in this place the Holy Spirit you would give us that revelation of who we are in you and through you Lord Jesus we believe in you and we receive and accept the freedom that you give to us We acknowledge that, Lord, many times we fail. Yet your grace calls us back time and time again. We receive your goodness in our life. We want to follow you. We want to use our freedom to walk in the Spirit, to love as you have loved us. Hearts are changing today. Chains are falling in this place. And the freedom of God, I pray, Holy Spirit, continue to reveal unto us wave after wave after wave of your goodness and mercy in our life. And we are confident that in Jesus, in you, Lord Jesus, we always stand boldly in your presence. Because Jesus, you paid the price. Lord, just move and stir in our hearts the passion for your name. And we're going to follow you to the ends of the earth. We're going to follow you and we look forward to Lord Jesus, your coming again in glory. Thank you, God, for this blessed hope and blessed assurance that we have in you. Thank you, Father. All this I ask in Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say, Amen.